The Seahawks are now officially two weeks into training camp and just one week away from their first preseason game. That means the first set of roster cuts are coming up. We're going to be checking out Seattle's 53-man roster and making updated projections on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings 12, this is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks, joining me for our Monday episode. Special guest host today, Dallas Cooper, making his Locked on Seahawks debut. Dallas, thrilled to have you joining the show, and we get to break down 53-man roster projections today. That's always exciting in the middle of training camp. Always exciting. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me, and I'm excited to get started. Let's get to it here. We got a jam-packed episode coming your way, 12s. You know, take a look at some of the injuries taking place in Seahawks training camp, a few new ones, a few players that are on the mend. And as I just mentioned, 53-man roster projections. We've had a chance now to see this team on the field in eight practices as well as a mock scrimmage. So a little better feel for which players might make the team on both sides of the football. So we're going to have some updated, revised 53-man roster projections. We'll be looking at offense in our second quarter, defense in the third quarter. But before we get there, our lead story here on Locked on Seahawks, we're now two weeks into training camp, the preseason just around the corner. NFL teams across the league are starting to get beat up. Injuries are guaranteed in the NFL. The Seahawks, compared to other teams, knock on wood, have done pretty well so far. They've got a few players that are beat up, most notably in their secondary, Sidney Jones, dealing with a concussion issue. He's at a great camp, but that is a deep position, as we'll talk about later. So don't want to miss too much time. Ryan Neal is in a walking boot with an undisclosed foot ankle injury he suffered suffered earlier last week. And LJ Collier dealing with an ankle or a uh, elbow injury that he suffered during their mock scrimmage yesterday. So the Seahawks have some players that are a bit banged up right now on the defensive side of the football. And a couple of those guys, most notably Neal and Collier, they're in competitive position groups and they're battling for roster spots. So missing time would be a big deal for them. That, that's a big deal, especially for LJ Collier, former first round pick for the Seahawks. This is a huge camp for him to prove himself and make himself known at, for a roster spot. There's Miles Adams and there's other people creeping up. And for other people like Ryan Neal, D. Eskridge, the injuries, we got to make sure that we can stay as healthy as we can going into preseason. That's the most important thing. Yeah, Eskridge is another name to throw out there, dealing with a hamstring injury. And it's been strange, Dallas, because he's been on the practice field wearing pads and a helmet the last couple of days, and yet he hasn't actually done anything beyond warm-ups. He's done some practice routes behind the offense when they're doing drill work, and so they just have been holding back, holding back, holding back. And this is a really athletic, talented dude that just cannot seem to get healthy, had injury issues last year kind of reminiscent of Rashad Penny. And so not having him available with some of the other receivers that they've got, that's certainly going to be problematic if he can't get on the field and some of those other receivers continue to play well as they have in training camp and in the mock scrimmage yesterday. But there was some good news for the Seahawks on the injury front too. Jordan Brooks, who looks like he's poised to become potentially an all-pro this year, 
He's taken the reins as their signal caller with the green dot in his helmet. Missed a couple practices with a hamstring injury, but he was back out there for today's walkthrough. That's good news. Never thought that was going to be significant, but Brooks, one of the best players on Seattle's roster, they could not afford to have him miss extended time. Getting this taken care of, let him rest a few days. Really good omen for him now going into the rest of training camp in the preseason that he's going to be in the middle manning this defense. Definitely. Jordan Brooks is primed for a, a really big season. A lot of people are kind of saying he's primed for a breakout, but arguably the breakout season has happened this past year. I think this is the year he can truly stamp himself as one of the top linebackers in the game. And it, yes, as you said, the Seahawks definitely need him to be healthy. He's going to be huge for the defense, and especially with the new defensive coordinator and bringing in all the new coaches, the signal caller is going to be very important for getting the communication across for the players. And Jordan Brooks is going to be huge, so they definitely need him healthy. Yeah, without number 54 in the middle, he's already had a great season, a franchise record 184 tackles last year, but you're missing Bobby Wagner and the leadership that he brought to the table. Brooks is going to have to take that mantle. And so far, the Seahawks coaching staff and teammates have been very impressed with the way that he's handled this new responsibility, being the play caller in the middle defensively, having that green dot on his helmet. One other injury update of note here, Trey Brown has yet to return from a patellar tendon injury he suffered in week 11 against the Cardinals last year. And you got to wonder what he's thinking, Dallas, because going into this camp, there were a lot of question marks at cornerback with two rookies and bringing in a free agent, Artie Burns on a one-year deal, Sidney Jones coming back on a one-year deal. Not necessarily sure what your long-term plans are going to be there. And Trey Brown played well in a handful of starts last year. But now you got to wonder if he's panicking a little bit, like I need to get back on the practice field because the way these other corners, even Mike Jackson's having a pretty darn good training camp. And so Pete Carroll said he's been running on the ground. It sounds like he's making pretty good progress. And yet we still don't know when he's going to be back. And so as far as a return date, that is to be determined. And with how competitive that group is, uh, that might be tough sledding for him, at least in terms of trying to get back into a starting role. Oh, definitely. And that's what's crazy about it is this past year when he was in the games in his rookie season, he played extremely well. It's just injury created opportunities for other players and they also stepped up. At the end of the day, this comes back to Pete Carroll's philosophy of everyone being ready and no matter what, be ready when your name is called. And Pete Carroll, as we know, is very big on the defensive backs and all these defensive backs that they've brought in have showed tremendous ability throughout camp. A lot of the rookies especially have caught a lot of eyes. So for Trey Brown coming back off of injury, this has got to light a fire in him to, like you said, get back on the practice field. He needs to get the reps back in just to fight, maybe even for not even a starting spot, just to fight for a backup spot. Yeah, I didn't think that we would be having that discussion at this stage of camp, and I don't know that it's reached that point because Trey Brown did play really well last year, and he's still only a second-year player, so he's got a lot of room to grow. But patellar tendon injuries are really tough to come back from, yep. even in today's era where medicine has never been better and we've got all these new surgical procedures. That is an injury that can be really challenging, even in 2022, for players to make it back from. So until we see him back in the field running around making plays – it's tough to know if we're going to see the Trey Brown that we saw in those games last year. It sounds like the organization is optimistic about it, but there's a balancing act here. Trey Brown is itching to get back on the field. You know he wants to be activated as soon as possible, and with the competition there, he wants to get back out there. At the same time, the Seahawks cannot rush this injury either. 
he cannot rush this injury. So that's one we're going to continue to monitor for the Seahawks, how Trey Brown returns from that knee injury. Again, it sounds like from Pete Carroll the last couple of times that he's been asked about it, that Trey Brown is making progress. But as far as timelines go, the Seahawks are playing it safe right now. The last thing they're going to do is say, oh, he's going to be back next week when they really don't know what that timeline looks like coming back from one of the most severe injuries that an NFL player can have and, and a very difficult surgery to recover from. They can take 12 to 15 months to recover from. So they're not going to force the issue. And certainly he wants to get back on the field. And we'll get to that later in the show exactly why he's going to be forced back into action. But we're now two weeks into training camp. And so that means we've got our first set of roster cuts coming up next Tuesday. The preseason opener in Pittsburgh on Saturday, a couple of days later, Five players are going to receive their pink slips. The NFL going back to a tiered cut-down system this year. With that being said, we're going to have our updated 53-man roster projections, maybe some changes on who's going to start, some changes on which reserves make the roster. We're going to be talking offense on the 53-man roster projections coming up here in a moment. Level with me. We've all been in a situation at some point in our lives when we're a little tight on cash. Maybe you could only afford a few gallons of gas in your tank. I think all of us know that reality. Or you got another save the date and are wondering how you're going to afford a gift. That's where Dave can help. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave today and think of it as a helping hand from a future you. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for today's show, making his Locked On Seahawks debut, Dallas Cooper. And Dallas, you picked a perfect show to jump on for your first show because maybe the most fun thing to do during training camp and the preseason is the consistent churning of your 53-man roster projections. They're always evolving, always changing based on what we see in the practice field, in mock games, Injuries impact things, as we'll be talking about some on today's show. We're going to start on the offensive side of the football with our 53-man roster projections. We're going to start with you here, Dallas. I'm going to put you in, uh, put the ball in your court here with the skill positions. QB, running back, fullback, wide receiver, and wide receiver at the slot position. And it looks like for the most part that we see things eye to eye, but I am curious about your thought process at the receiver position because you've got Cody Thompson, you've got Penny Hart, you have Freddie Swain, D. Eskers, they're still hoping he's going to be healthy, Bo Melton and Derek Young, the rookies. you got a couple of other intriguing players at that position like veteran Marquise Goodwin, and yet maybe only four or five guys will make the roster at that position, maybe six. You've got six going in. Explain your rationale a little bit on why you picked the players you did behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Well, first off, I think for the most part, our biggest kind of differences was I have Bo Melton making the team. And for me, I think Bo Melton just has the pure talent and skill. And just he's a very explosive athlete that is a rookie and you give him a chance to play in an offense. He played at Rutgers and Rutgers was an offense that had nothing really built behind him. He was with 
not a good passing game. Their O-line was very, very bad. They didn't have much other receiving talent next to him. So, and he performed well in that in that conference and for that team. So I think Bo Melton can definitely, if he can show more in practice, and especially in the preseason games coming up, in the first preseason game coming up this week, I'm really going to be looking for Bo Melton to make some plays and really show that he can make the 53-man roster. And I think we'd be having a very interesting discussion about him today if Drew Locke could have put just a teeny bit more touch on a pass in that mock game. It would have been a 62-yard touchdown. Melton had the corner toasted. And we've started to see that now in practice. And so I certainly started to consider, is there a possibility that both seven-round rookies could make this football team? And I think it's still very possible. If Melton has some good preseason games, you're right. This is a kid that has elite athletic ability. He played in a bad offense with poor quarterbacks at Rutgers. That limited his production. But then you saw it at the senior bowl. He's just had kind of a slow start. Some of it has not been his fault. It's not a good throws to him necessarily when he's been targeted. Did have a 40-plus yard reception in practice earlier this week. So the Seahawks have seen some flashes, but not necessarily enough. And so when I look at where my 53-man roster projection stands right now, you and I both have made the switch at quarterback. Right now, I really don't know what to think about the quarterback competition. Drew Locke and Geno Smith, it is truly head-to-head right now. I think that Locke has made up a lot of ground, particularly with how well he played in that mock game. If I had to make a prediction today, I think the Seahawks are going to go with the younger quarterback, but this is truly a coin flip. Geno Smith has been my prediction most of the time. I still would not be surprised if that's how it ends up playing out. This is truly a two-horse back-and-forth race. As far as running backs go, that one's pretty cut and dry. Rashad Penny, Ken Walker the third, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. Those guys are going to be your four running backs on the roster unless they're injuries. Where you and I did disagree a little bit, though, was that final receiver spot. And I don't even know if Seattle keeps six. I just think they're going to have a hard time, though, because they've got some really good special teams players at that position. And Marquise Goodwin, it's an interesting case study because he's now past 30 years old, but he still runs in the low four threes. I guarantee if he ran a 40-yard dash, he'd be in the low four threes. Still a speedster. And he's had some really good moments in their training camp practices. Preseason games uh, will will certainly be telling for him. I don't know how much he's going to play because he's a veteran, but he's battling for a roster spot. So I would think he's going to get a fair number of snaps to that first-team offense. I have seen enough to suggest to me playing in this scheme that's similar to Kyle Shanahan's that he played in San Francisco. He's played for Sanjay Law, their receiver coach. I just think there's enough working in his favor And the fact that there's so many receivers that are good in the league, you might be able to slip a few of these guys like Bo Melton to your practice squad. I think Seattle is going to hang on to Marquise Goodwin if I had to make that prediction right now. But this is another one that could go either way, depending on the rookies play. I do think Dariq Young has flashed way more than Bo Melton these first couple weeks. So I have Dariq Young with his blocking ability to go with it. I think he's got special teams capabilities. Dariq Young, to me right now, is on the right side of the bubble. Now let's look offensive line. You and I, Dallas, agreed on pretty much everything on the offensive line and a tight end. It just doesn't seem like there's very much drama. I thought about Connor Mabry, but I just don't think there's a spot for him. And offensive line-wise, you and I agreed that they're going to go extremely young at the tackle positions with two rookies starting. Absolutely. I loved I loved what they what I've been hearing though from the practices from camp and from the scrimmage. I loved what I was hearing from the rookie tackles, especially their athletic ability. It should be really interesting, especially fully going into this wide zone, a lot of movement based for a, a lot of these offensive linemen. 
So especially the tackles, they're going to be out in space a lot. So yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see these tackles. I really am excited to see them. Yeah, I think the athleticism is something that's being discounted a little bit here by some fans, especially when we're talking run game, because these two guys have not played in offenses where they have their hand in the dirt very often. In fact, Charles Cross the last two years never did it. Abraham Lucas, he was playing special teams, oh, yeah. but otherwise he wasn't playing in a three-point stance either. And so I think that is a warranted concern. That is an adjustment, that power run game. But these two guys are such great athletes, and they move laterally so well. They can get to the second level. It helps them in pass protection, but it also helps them as a run blocker. And I saw some things in the mock game from Abraham Lucas yesterday that intrigued me. Even though they didn't run the ball well statistically in that scrimmage game, he was a player that I kept watching. Just You could see that movement skill, getting proper position against the defender, and, and creating some quality blocks didn't help the running back necessarily because you need your whole line to be blocking to get some big plays going. But I, I was impressed. I thought he had a pretty good day, and he was with the first team again, third day in a row at their walkthrough today. So it looks like he's in pretty good shape. And you and I agree across the board everywhere else. I, I think that there could still be a battle for that backup center job. I have been begging the Seahawks for a couple years to take a look at Phil Haynes at that position, and that has never happened. Pete Carroll has never seemed interested in that. So right now – it looks like Kyle Fuller to me, despite the fact that he has not played well when he's been inserted into the lineup the last couple of years, the fact that he does have starting experience at tackle, both guard spots and center, that's invaluable flexibility. The Seahawks like him a lot for that versatility, his knowledge of the offense, being able to play multiple positions in this scheme. I just haven't seen enough from Dakota Shepley to this point. Now, maybe preseason games change that and Shepley surpasses him. But he hasn't done enough on the practice field for me to suggest that he's going to surpass Kyle Fuller. And the versatility seemed to be in Fuller's favor as well. I think the rest of the depth chart's pretty set in stone, though. You know Gabe Jackson, Damian Lewis are going to be your starting guards. Phil Haynes is an outstanding swing guard behind them that can start at either spot in a pinch, could be a starter for a number of teams. And they like Austin Blythe for his familiarity with the scheme and just the communication that he's going to be able to bring this offense after playing for Shane Waldron as well as Andy Dickerson. So overall, I think the Seahawks should feel pretty good about their interior offensive line. There's going to be question marks that tackle. and But I just think that the depth here is better maybe than some people realize. It looks like they've put together a pretty good group that has a lot of upside given the youth. The I feel like the offensive line has a lot of versatility as well. Even yeah. at ta like backup tackle, if, if we think that Jake Curran and Stone Forsythe are going to be the – backups they both have experience kicking in at guard for a little bit so the versatility in the backups yep. along seattle's offensive line any one of them could start in a pinch at any of the spots and that's very invaluable to have because you never know how injuries could go in a set especially now in a 17 game season you never know how it could go so especially offensive line very violent game it's a violent violent style you're in off you're in the trenches and a lot of injuries do happen there so the fact that they can have versatility and especially Phil Haynes, as you said, he's proven that he can be a starter on, I think, a couple of other teams in the league. And Seattle's lucky. They're lucky to have him as a backup. He's, he's for sure one of the best backup interior linemen, in, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, and he hasn't had much of a chance to show what he can do, but those two games he started last year, Rashad Penny went for over 170 rushing yards, and he was a big reason why. Yep. He watched the All-22, the end zone film, and he was just mauling dudes, and he was winning in the zone blocking battle too because he's a former basketball player. 
He's got good movement skills. So I know some of our listeners have been wondering, why is he not getting a chance? If this is a youth movement, why not just make him the right guard? But Gabe Jackson is in better shape than he was last year. He had a knee that was bugging him. He had surgery. So I think the Seahawks still believe that he has several good years left in him, and they're paying him good money. They believe that he is a staple on that offensive line, and it gives them some continuity, which is big when he could be starting two rookie tackles. So certainly there are going to be question marks with this offensive line, but I think more so than there has been in quite some time, there's reason for optimism as well. We're going to continue our 53-man roster projection, go into the defensive side of the ball as well as the specialists. Not really any drama with the kicker, punter, and long snapper positions, but going to be wrapping up our 53-man roster projections here two weeks into training camp coming up here in a moment. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news for every league, whether it's Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, or combat sports. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, whether it's live in-game betting, scores, or podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Monday edition. I'm Corey Smith. Joining me for today's show, first time as a guest host, Dallas Cooper. We're going to continue our 53-man roster projections, and we do a few of these during training camp in the preseason because these are fluid, especially the bottom spots on the roster where you've got 25, 30 guys maybe battling for 10 spots. There's a handful of guys that aren't really in the mix, and that's the unfortunate truth when you're looking at NFL training camps. Camp bodies, that's a real thing, but most people don't get to be camp bodies in the NFL, so that is still quite an accomplishment nonetheless. Let's get to the defensive side of the football with our starters and our overall roster projections. And we're going to start on your particular depth chart here, Dallas. And let's start with the defensive line. And this is one of the toughest ones for me, especially with LJ Collier being banged up now. You mentioned in the first quarter, finally you're in his rookie deal. There's so much at stake for him. New defense that they've been talking him up, the way he's been playing as a defensive tackle, and yet Miles Adams continues to be that player that's right in the rearview mirror. And you have Miles Adams making this roster over LJ Collier. I think in the couple of games that Miles Adams did play last year and in so far what he's shown, and I think in like the snap that he's been in, Miles Adams has shown, I think, better talent in a lot of the spots along the defensive line, especially the interior. And straight up, I think he has better versatility. Miles Adams has experienced sometimes lined up as a one tech, a three tech, sometimes as, as much as a four I and five. LJ, a lot of the times they, they're looking at him as going with the three tech on the nickel fronts. That's what I, it looks like they're trying to use him as. Yeah. But it's going to be hard. He's going to have to show a lot more pass rush than what he's shown prior. And now with injuries taking place, Miles Adams has a lot more opportunity now in the preseason to get more reps. And I think that that definitely could lead into him making the final roster over LJ Collier. I do think that you make a very valid point here because this is one I've been back and forth on. Our regular listeners are probably thinking, you've had Miles Adams on the roster, Corbin, and I have. I don't in this projection, though, and this is assuming that LJ Collier is healthy. That is the X factor here. If he's got a significant elbow injury coming out of that mock game, he may very well be heading to injured reserve when the season starts and Miles Adams could be on the roster. Because as you mentioned, Miles Adams can play, 
big end. He can play three tech. He can play four eye. When they had Al Woods out for a couple practices on veteran rest days, he was playing nose tackle at 295 pounds. And that might not seem like a good fit for him, but he plays with really good leverage. He's physical, a lot stronger than you would expect. He can two gap. He's really a penetrator though. That's his game. So there's a lot of different things that you can do with him. I thought he played really well in those two games last year. So he's going to be one of those guys that is in that 50 to 60 range as far as the roster pecking order. Is he going to be able to get on that right side of the 53? It really boils down to him against LJ Collier. And right now, I just think Collier, there's been enough said from Clint Hurd and Pete Carroll. They believe that this defense is going to help him bring out his best. He's just got to be healthy, though. And that's the real X factor here. Now, going back to your depth chart here again, we're pretty much seeing eye-to-eye the rest of the defensive line. Middle linebacker, we've got four players. Nick Ballore, we could have put him at fullback, but he's been playing mostly linebacker practice, and that's where he started for the 49ers several years ago. So he can step in if you need him to. Taylor, Nuosu, Mafe, Smith, and Alton Robinson. You know, a few weeks ago, I might have said that Tyreek Smith and Alton Robinson, one of them might make the roster, but I've seen enough from Tyreek Smith in a couple practices he's been out there. Robinson has come on the last few practices as well. So this feels like a position where it would be better for the Seahawks to have a little bit more depth rushing the passer off edge than, say, going in with just four guys, particularly with the personnel they have at the defensive line. Those guys aren't necessarily edge rushers. Definitely. I think it's always better to have a rotation of edge rushers. Keep them fresh. You don't want them having to be out there for 70, 80 snaps. You want them to be fresh, each of them getting 30, 40 snaps, some of them even 20, 10. Especially a guy like Mafe, especially if he's going to be a situational third down rusher, if Tyreek's going to sometimes sub in to be like that. We could even see Alton Robinson subbing in to be like that every once in a while on third downs also. So the depth, like you said, the depth is very important, I think, at the edge spots. As you said, the defensive line, interior-wise, there's not much pass rushing coming from the edge from any of them. It's a lot more of interior run run stopping, two-gapping. That's a lot more of their skill sets, pass rushing from a four-eye, five-technique, not three-technique, not really any nine-techniques on the interior. So with the edge rushers that Seattle has, it's very important, as you said, to get depth. Yeah, this is a really young group that's got a number of guys that if they're playing four-man fronts and nickel and dime sets, they can have traditional defensive ends with Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nuosu. And boy, Mafe, I think in time, will grow into that. He's more naturally that hybrid outside linebacker. But Robinson, that's what he was his first two years in the yeah. league. That's what Tyreek Smith played at Ohio State, a 4-3 defensive end. So they've got a lot of versatility with that group. When they do go into four-man fronts, when they're in the three-four sets, these guys can pin their ears back off edge. They can rush. They can drop back and cover. So this is an exciting group. You want to keep those five guys around. Now, in the secondary, you and I had some different perspective, and it's mainly boiling down to injuries. We mentioned Trey Brown at the beginning of the show. I'm just going to say this right now. I hope that Trey Brown gets back as soon as possible just because I loved what I saw last year when he started three games, played in five games total. I was really impressed. But he's coming back from that significant knee injury. And so I just don't know that he's going to be ready in week one. And the Seahawks in the past, they have erred the side of caution with injuries like this. So I think he starts the year on the pup list, which means he has to miss the first four games this season. I think the Seahawks will have to be – they're going to be forced in a situation where they're going to have to do that. And I think if that does happen, Dallas, I mentioned his name earlier. Mike Jackson has had a really good training camp, and it's gone – 
largely unnoticed because the other corners ahead of him have played so well. He hasn't been able to move up the depth chart, but he's still a young corner, got good size, length, athletic. He played well in one game that he got to play in last year, kind of a Miles Adams type situation. He just fits their scheme, and he's tough. This guy is a tough-minded corner that does things the way the Seahawks want their corners to play the game. So if Trey Brown's not available, I think Mike Jackson sneaks under the roster with one of the very last spots to give them five corners. He would be behind Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant. I have Artie Burns still starting right now across from Sidney Jones, but that is a very fluid situation that when we revisit this a few weeks from now, Tariq Woolen, the way he's playing right now, maybe Tariq Woolen jumps up there into the starting lineup. Kobe Bryant's been impressive, so this is still a very fluid situation. But all those guys are going to be on the team. The question is about Trey Brown. I just don't know that he's ready to return by week one. Definitely. that's It's definitely a tall task to ask him to be ready by week one. I think I just had him there thinking that I'm thinking that by everything, well, how the talks have been, with how Pete has spoken to media, he's just been saying it looks like he's going to come back in a decent amount of time. So I'm hoping by the end of the month, he could be pretty well back, at least on the roster, maybe not starting or getting significant playing time yet, but at least on the 53-man roster. But we'll see with that. But, yeah, Tariq Woolen has played so well that, as you said, that situation of Artie and Sydney being the starters is a very fluid situation. Honestly, the situation kind of reminds me a little bit of Trey Flowers when he all of a sudden became the starter for Seattle back then. A lanky, tall corner with good athleticism. And Tariq is a completely different level of athlete and length. This is something the NFL has really never seen before. 6'4 with 4'2 speed at corner. That's that's unheard of. So Tariq Willen playing this well this early on is a really good sign. If he can even develop to the point of being near ready, that athlete, the athleticism traits will show itself on the field tremendously. Yeah, I don't think he's that far off, which I did not think I was going to be saying at this point. And I've hit on this on a few earlier episodes that he just every day he's made strides. And the way he played yesterday, I mean, his worst play – arguably was his best play because he had great coverage in Cody Thompson, swatted the ball in the end zone up in the air, and then it falls into Cody Thompson. Sometimes it's just better to be lucky than good. And so he has been fantastic. And you can just tell by the way Pete Carroll was talking about him yesterday. I mean, he is very much in the mix here. Let's talk safeties real quick. On your 53-man roster projection, you have Ryan Neal. On mine, I've got Josh Jones. And this is a very similar situation to Trey Brown and the reason why I don't have Ryan Neal on mine is because he is in a walking boot right now. And, you know, that doesn't mean he's going to be out in a long time. He could be back in the practice field early next week. He might just have an ankle sprain or something. But Josh Jones has been a revelation in this training camp. He has been fantastic. And what he brings to your defense, second round pedigree, he is a better athlete than what Ryan Neal is. He has instincts. He can play free safety and strong safety. He's been playing as that third safety next to Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams frequently with the first-team defense, like day in, day out. Even when Ryan Neal was out there at practice, those two were both getting reps. They're taking a look at him. He played well end of last year. Ryan Neal has a very good chance to still be on this roster if he can get healthy, but he might be a guy that they're looking at saying, let's make sure he's 100% healthy. We'll start him on injury reserve beginning of the season. Maybe we can get him back. Or they could just make the decision, you know what, Josh Jones isn't much older. Josh Jones, a former second-round pick that can play both positions, has more athletic traits. He's popped all of training camp. 
seemed to have found his groove here. I just think Josh Jones has got to be on this roster right now. And so that was one of the toughest decisions that I had to make at the safety position. I can definitely see why you made that, though. Josh Jones has been tremendous, like you said, in camp. And even last year in the games that he did play, in, I think he started one of the games last year. Or maybe the season was, finale, yeah. Yeah, Cardinals the Cardinals game, yeah. game. Yep. And he played well in that game. And that confidence might have carried over in the offseason. And it seems like he's carrying himself with that confidence that he can play and he trusts himself out there. And it's looking like it's showing. And credit to him and credit to the coaching staff for getting him to play at a high level. And this could really be something. Also, we we also forget they also have Marquise Blair on the other side who also brings that versatility. The safety the safety spots is very versatile with Seattle. Even Ugo Amadi has experience playing nickel corner and safety. There's there's a lot of versatility and a lot to like with the defensive back group for Seattle. Yeah, and I think they've got to keep as many of these guys as they can because Sean Desai being on the coaching staff, they're going to run a lot of three and even four safety looks. They've done that. They've been moving Jamal Adams down as a second linebacker a lot, and that plays into his skill set. Yep. And so you could have him, Marquise Blair, Ryan Neal, Josh Jones, and Quandre Diggs on the field together, and that might end up being your best defense because you've got a couple guys that can play in the box, that can come up and hit people, and they have ball skills. Josh Jones has two interceptions in training camp on Geno Smith, and so he has shown that flexibility. I talked to him before practice on Friday, and he made it very clear that when he looked at where he was at the last couple of years compared to Seattle, they have allowed him to play the game and not worry about how the pass has unfolded. They've let him be himself. And that has been something so many players have said over the years about Pete Carroll and his staff. They let me play the game. They let me be comfortable, be confident. And you can see that with how he's seeing the field right now, making big plays in the secondary, rushing the passer, even when they've called him to do that a few times, he's doing a little bit of everything. So I think he's got a good chance. I think we'd agree Jason Myers has no competition. Michael Dixon has no competition. Tyler Ott has, has no competition. So those three, they're secured. As long as somebody else is not brought in before camp gets over with as a last-minute competitor, those three are going to once again be the specialists. But really, the safety position, receiver, maybe defensive tackle, the bottom of the defensive tackle depth chart, those are really your most intriguing positions right now in terms of roster spots. And, of course, you got the quarterback and right tackle position yeah. where it's wide open. And – it's anyone's guess right now who's going to be starting in week one of those positions. Very much up in the air with a number of competitors competing at both spots. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Dallas at Dallas C. Cooper. Again, that's at Dallas C. Cooper. He'll be joining us once or twice a week here on the Lockton Seahawks podcast for the 2022 season. So make sure to give him a follow and a warm welcome. Check out Lockdown Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. When we return for our Tuesday episode, Rob Rand will be rejoining me. The two of us will share some observations from the latest training camp practice and start to take a look at that first preseason coming up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Go Hawks.